Hi, it's Coach Tori, and this is Raising Runners. I, again, will apologize for my voice. It is just not coming back. Um, Today, I get to interview Emily, who is a runner, mom, teacher. She has a great story about how she started running and the connections to focusing on her mental health. She's run some really interesting races, um, short races, longer races, ultra marathons. She's done her own races that she's made up of running across or around the Grand Canyon. Uh, I can't explain it that well because it's not something I've ever done, but she gets really into it. Um, Super great talking to her. She talks a lot about her own running journey and her fitness and sports journey. She talks about coaches and she also talks about um, her tips for helping motivate the kids and really having an individualized approach to coaching. parents runners um and you're a teacher right I am yeah I'm a preschool special ed teacher so I work with three four and five-year-olds of all different abilities in uh LA Unified which is the second largest school district in the U.S. (laughs) oh wow it's a big school district yeah yeah so I'm around little ones all the time all day long and now I have my own little ones so (laughs) yes Wow. No, I mean, I'm sure that's a lot. I want to start with, I definitely want to get into um, like, you know, parenting and being a teacher, especially for special ed and then um, all that. But I wanted to start just with like w- when you started running, um, kind of what your running journey has been like, if you're up to anything interesting, you know, if you always set goals or kind of just anything about, you know, what you're up to with running. Okay. So with running, um, I started about seven years ago. I've always been super active growing up. I played a lot of different sports. I was a huge tomboy. Um, I mean, I played everything and wanted to play more, uh, but I got into running because there was a local running group in the community I was living in. And, um, I actually ended up going to the doctor cause I was so stressed out. I was making myself sick as a college student, um, and juggling jobs, but also still trying to be super active. And the doctor actually recommended, uh, she goes, you know, I think you should get, you should veer away from the sports and the heavy lifting and the boot camps and try like, you know, running and jogging a few times a week and yoga. I think it would be really good for your your health. And I was like, I I admit when I got out of that, um, because I thought something was wrong with me. I thought I was really sick. Um, I was really upset. I'm like, yoga, like, I can't do that. I don't, that's not for me. And running, I've never been a good runner because, you know, unfortunately, before you start running and you get into that community, you feel like you have to be this competitive, really fast runner, um, or you're just not accepted. Um, And so I, you know, I kept thinking, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not that good of a runner. Like, I can't even compete in that. Because again, coming from a background of playing sports and being a competitive athlete, I'm like, that's not going to work out. Um, but I was like, okay, let me try it. So again, I found a local running group that was a few blocks away from where I lived at the time. And, um, I started running with that running group once a week and I started meeting new people and I started connecting and making friends. And I'm, they kind of opened my eyes up to the running community, um, to where now I felt like I could be competitive more with myself. So I started with like, you know, trying to run three mile loop around, um, the Rose bowl, which is like a local a football field here. Um, and then once I got that down and was running with them, uh, a few of them were telling me, Hey, have you ever heard of LA marathon? Have you ever heard of uh, these half marathons? And I'm like, what are they? And they would tell me the mileage. Oh, it's 13.1 or it's 13.2 or 26.2. And I'd be like, Oh my God, who does that? 
people are crazy. Why are they doing this much running? This is ridiculous. Um, but then I like was like, all right, I'll try it out. And I got sucked in again to the community because people in your community are cheering you on. They don't need to know you. They're handing you snacks. Um, you know, you're with your group of friends and people you've met. And so it just was really motivating. And so I went from 5Ks to 10Ks to half marathons to a few marathons to, oh my God, what's a Ragnar relay? Oh, 200-ish miles in 48 hours with friends on a van. That sounds like so much fun. So then I stepped my game up again and I, I started, I did a few Ragnars um, and then a running friend said, hey, have you ever tried like trail running in the mountains? And I said, no, you know, road, I don't know anything about trail. And he sent me a few YouTube videos of some elite female ultra athletes. And I got really excited because I felt like for the first time I could really connect to um, running and just being an athlete. I was like, oh, they're so different. And people don't even know about ultra running or who they are, or what they do. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to try to keep, I'm going to want to go for that. Um, and so then I went and actually did, I tried, I attempted rim to rim in the Grand Canyon with a friend of mine. Um, and I made it rim to rim to rim. I only made one round, didn't get the, the switch back, but, um, and then I just fell in love from going into the mountains and the atmosphere and just how beautiful it is and knowing that you can go all around the world and you can run this um, in all different places, just like, it was just the best thing, motivated me completely. So then I started looking into ultra uh, races and that's when I started learning what um, 50 Ks were, 50 mile races and 100. And I went, oh my God, like, and then I'm like, that's crazy. Marathons are enough. I don't need to go and extend it. Um, but after doing, uh, the Grand Canyon, which was incredibly beautiful, I'm like, this is more motivating than pavement and people and the cities. Um, and so I started looking into it and then I met more running groups that started doing that. And I've always liked getting up really early in the morning. Um, so I thought, okay, I can do this. I'll get up early and then I'm done by like noon and I get home and I've done 30 miles and people are like, you're insane. Um, but, and then I felt, I don't know, I felt really good. Um, I felt like just different and I liked that. Um, and I didn't have to compete with people. Uh, it was more just competing with myself. And I learned a lot. Elevation gain is insane depending on where you're running. Um, the weather can be fun. <laughs> um, you encounter many different animals on the mountains, uh, snakes and all kinds of things. So, you know, it really teaches you a lot and you learn how to be prepared more. Um, the right gear, that gear is very different than running a half marathon or a marathon on road. Um, you know, what you're eating and consuming, which I'm still trying to get down, you know, it's completely different as well. Um, and then, I, so anyways, I started meeting the ultra running community, which is even smaller. Um, and I just thought it was awesome. I felt <laughs> really young <laughs> because a lot of people that do ultras are a little older. Um, and it wasn't really about your time. It finally wasn't that competitive of be as fast as you possibly can. It was more like, how much mileage can you do? Or can you finish this? Because if you finish this, this is incredible. And so right before the pandemic, I actually had just started um, training for my first 100 mile race. Um, and I had my crew together. We actually met, I filmed them being there, you know, um, and with my GoPro. And I was really excited um, I actually got it funded through um, one of the companies that I'm an ambassador for. They've been really supportive, uh, vital for you. 
they've been great. The owner of the company is incredible. Um, anyways, and so I was really excited. I was in Oregon. It was going to be beautifully green in the mountains with the trees. Again, being from LA and the city, I drive out to the beautiful places right now. Eventually, I hope to live in one of them. Um, yeah, and I started training hard and doing a lot of mileage. And then, unfortunately, COVID hit. So that that made it really rough. Um, you know, we had to stop for a while and do as much as we could. Uh, and then that following this last year, you know, everyone's just trying to pick up the pieces and kind of start getting back into running and, you know, try to meet up with some people, but a lot of things had changed, right? Family dynamics, unfortunately had changed, um, jobs and professions had changed. So it took until last summer for me to finally like be able to get back into, um, like a running routine. And I slowly had started again to up my mileage. I did a 50K in Oregon. Um, I ran in Washington. And then um, I came back down into LA and we both found out that we were having our first baby. So <laughs> I, I'd still put a little bit on hold, but my goal is to complete a hundred mile race. Um, now, a lot of people say, which one? I don't really have one in particular, a dream goal definitely would be to do Western States 100. I would love to do that. Um, and that, that's, that's an ultimate dream goal or to you, do UTMB in France would be incredible. Um, but yeah, so there's still dreams. And I'm again, now slowly getting back into after being pregnant and trying to run, I ran up until 10 weeks and then my body was not having it anymore. My daughter was like, Nope. Um, <laughs> and then she was born in March 17th. And so little by little, I've been trying to, um, I've been walking miles per day, but I did go for a jog <laughs> a, a few miles and it kicked my butt. Um, but I'm motivated more than ever to get back into it. I miss it a lot. So that's kind of the running journey in a nutshell. Um, yeah. Wow. You have done so many cool sounding races. I am not an ultra runner, but I also, I recently just interviewed someone else who does ultras and I left thinking I need to definitely give that a try. I mean, I haven't even done a marathon yet. I am a short distance person, but I'm working on being a longer distance person, but I'm like, that sounds so cool. Um, Western States, is that the one that you get a belt buckle for? I know very little about, <laughs> okay. So yeah. So hundred mile races, if you complete them, you get a belt buckle. That's like the big oh, thing. So instead of getting a medal, mm -hmm, you get a belt buckle, but Western States, theirs are really unique because one, you have to get raffled in. So you have to run other hundred K races to get like an entry to raffle in. Then if you get chosen to run it, what they do is they make exactly enough and they kind of hand carve them every year. So it's a very special experience on that belt buckle. And if you wear that and there's ultra people around, you're gonna get a lot of respect and they're gonna know who, <laughs> where you were and what type of runner you are. So yeah, it's like the, I guess you could say it's like the NBA finals of uh, running, you know? <laughs> it's like the big one. No, that's Right. Well, and that's why I'm like, I know so not enough about ultras, but the one thing I do know is I've heard about the belt buckles and I've heard about Western States belt buckles. So, um, no, that sounds so cool. Um, I want to go all the way back to, you talked about, um, like physical health, but also your mental health, which is kind of what made you start running. Um, and then you were talking also about the community, which, I mean, I think every runner can tell you that really the big thing about running is the fact that there is a running community anywhere you go. Even if you're someone who runs by yourself all the time, you know, you know that there's runners around. Um, 
but when you first started running, then how quickly, or were you even, it seems like you probably might've been aware because you were kind of running to fix your health, but how quickly did you notice, like, I feel better or like my thoughts are changing or I'm, you know, I have different goals. Like how quickly did that happen? And then did you talk to the other runners about all those things? Um, I would say it took probably, I want to say completely like a, a year of just running with the same community group. Um, I, I wasn't very outgoing at the time. I was very shy. Um, so going up and even talking to a new person was very challenging for me. Uh, but once I met the leaders of the group, because again, you know, when you go into a running group, um, in the community, you have those leaders that go out and they actually, uh, you know, they, they try to introduce themselves and really get you in and ask if you have questions and they're really helpful. Um, and so I got to know them really well and they actually became my friends. Um, and I would say that's kind of when I started talking to a few of them that I would run with, um, about what I used to do because they, they looked at my body stature at the time and they go, do you run? Are you? And I'm like, no, actually <laughs> this is new. You know, um, yeah, they, they kind of were questioning it because I had pretty big, thick legs at the time from doing a lot of CrossFit. So they, they were very interested. Um, and then I started telling my story and they kind of told me some of theirs, which was very relatable. Um, and I don't know, it was just like no judgment, no pressure. They kind of were like, just get out and have a good time. You know, if you want to meet us after to eat or to a brewery, let's do it. You know, so I definitely think at the beginning it was more for like the support in the social scene and definitely for my mental health for sure. Cause I talked to them a lot about a lot of it. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And I, I love hearing about other people's experience with running communities because it kind of always sounds the same to me. Like there's always the group leaders who always reach out and then you find people that are just like you and can relate to your story. So no, it's super, it's encouraging to hear that like, it's not just the people I know or the people I've talked to, you know, it's like everywhere, you know, runners are really supporting each other, which is, yeah. which is awesome. Um, now you talked about so many different races. I feel like when you were talking about your running journey and it sounded like, I mean, I can only imagine a race at the Grand Canyon would be amazing, but was that your favorite race or do you have a favorite race? I have about three favorite races. So that one was definitely one. Um, and it wasn't even a race, actually. It was on my own. I didn't get a medal. Um, I didn't register and have a bib. Um, I just was inspired by, to, to be honest, by two elite um, ultra runners, which is Yellow Runner, Sally McRae. She's an elite ultra runner. And then um, Courtney Daltwater. She's beaten so many records and so many different people, including men. She's insane. Um, and she's who she is. She wears super long like basketball shorts when she's running she's not the typical runner but I was really inspired particularly for the Grand Canyon by her because she had completed it and I had watched her documentary um this is at the time when I started watching a bunch of them if you haven't heard of Billy Yang films look him up he's incredible he does a, a bunch of them on all different runners um including her anyways uh he did one and I was like this place is beautiful you can run this like that's a thing people can do that um and so I think that because that one really tested a lot. I ended up uh, hurting my knee pretty bad halfway through it um, and got really defeated mentally um, trying to get from the north end all the way to the south end. And halfway through to get to the south end, I busted it pretty bad and I still had to get out of there because there's no service down there and there's not a lot of ways to get out of the Grand Canyon. Um, so it definitely tested everything. 
So, and then when I completed it, yeah, we might not have done what we set for, but it still felt pretty good um, to finish it because it was just, you see so many different scenes of nature in the Grand Canyon alone. It's not just desert and rock, which is beautiful. Um, you see all kinds of things down there. So that one, and then I would say uh, a half marathon that I actually did in Washington called the Jack and Jill Half Marathon. It's fairly downhill and just, I saw three waterfalls while running by and it's green and beautiful. And um, yeah, I, I actually ended up meeting my husband at that race. So that one is definitely a memorable one <laughs> for me. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we met there and we started talking back here and now we're married and we have a two month old. Um, but yeah, so that one and then the Oregon, the 50K pretty much the ones where it's incredibly green and beautiful. And there, if there's water, that's a bonus. Um, but I just feel like maybe because I personally haven't gotten a lot of that living in a city my whole life. Um, and now that that's what I really love to do be outside. So I would say those three are probably my ultimate favorites. Yeah. I love that they're all different too, which is, which is cool. And you have different reasons for, for having them be your favorite. Um, so now shifting a little bit, do you have a worst race that you think you learned the most from? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I, was, I feel like then, if you think about it, you definitely can come up with one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely would say probably a half marathon here in LA. It was a rock and roll half marathon. They have a bunch of them everywhere. Um, a Halloween, it was a Halloween themed one. Uh, I went out and it was like my third year of doing it and doing all these runs and races. And I felt kind of like I'd been in the community for a bit. So I kind of knew what I was doing a little bit at this point. Um, the weather wasn't great, but you know, you got to expect that when you're running. Um, but I was dating my husband at the time, thought I was like on top feeling great. Um, and I went out to run that half marathon and it kicked my butt. Um, I got really dehydrated. I didn't feel great. My nutrition was off. Uh, I felt super tired and lethargic, but I had gotten plenty of sleep. Like I had prepared like normal. Um, I ended up really, really hurting my knee, um, to the point where I was kind of hobbling the last, I'd say five miles of it. And I don't think I've ever had to do that in a race. Even if I have to jog really slow, I've never had to completely walk. Um, I felt really defeated. And my husband is a little speedier. It's pretty fast. Anyways, he had finished a while after before me and I'm competitive. So I was, you know, I felt like he had been waiting around forever. Um, and I got in and I went right to the medical tent and I had to get my knee wrapped with ice and kind of just elevate it. Uh, and it just, it was a lot. I was really bummed out. I felt like I had gone up with a group of runners that were competitively fast, like his friends and people that I knew. Um, and then I just really fell back. So I guess the competitiveness had come out and I just didn't understand why I hadn't felt very great. But later on, I found out it was with my health um, and my digestive system and my iron deficiency. I had really low iron and I didn't know. So there were things that played into it, but I just didn't know at the time. And I was like, I prepared everything. Everything's perfect. And of course, with running, 
it didn't go the way you wanted it to, <laughs> which that happens a lot. I mean, in life, but with running, it really happens a lot. So I would say that one was really, I mean, there's a, I have a picture, a few pictures on my phone of me just looking trash, trying to be happy with this medal and I look miserable. So <laughs> I, I tried to fake it. I don't think I did a very good job of it, but. <laughs> I, yeah, and I feel like it's one of those things where you know, you have that horrible race and you learn a lot of things. You're like, I thought I was totally prepared, right? You're like, wow, I didn't eat enough. I didn't have this right. I didn't have this right. So, you know, it, I'm sure some people get to a point where they're like, I have it figured out without having to completely, you know, fall apart. But I feel like it's so common that it's like, I learned because I had, you know, all these, these struggles or failures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it right. absolutely happens. All the time, actually. Like I said, I'm still figuring out nutrition for ultra race runs. It, you know, your body, you got to figure it like out what works with it and what doesn't. And I don't know, to be honest with you. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I would say, to be honest with you, I mean, I don't know very many bodies that truly run 50 miles in a day or 100 miles in a day, right? So you need to really be prepared and figure that out because it's a long one. Well, that's what I was about to say. It was like, I don't, I haven't heard, you know, I listened to an ultra running podcast and I'm like, no one that goes on that ever says, you know, I figured out my diet for the run. I have it completely dialed in and I'm fine. It's like, I thought I had it figured out. And then I had all these issues at around 30 miles or whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah, that I think exactly. is a hard one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Um, okay. Shifting gears a little bit. Um, you mentioned you played a lot of sports growing up. Can you just talk about that a little bit? And then, um, if you can remember any coaches that you had that were influential, whether positive or negative and, and kind of characteristics of that. I know that was like a multi-part question, but, uh, yeah, no. Um, so with school is really hard for me academically. Um, I have a learning disability and dyslexia. So it was super challenging. My brother and I are only 14 months apart and um, he was highly gifted. So competitiveness, of course, and we should have competitiveness because we're siblings, but the reality is we're just two completely different people that learn differently. Um, but again, academics were really challenging. And so I kind of veered more into sports because I got more positive praise and um, I felt like I could finally compete. Um, so, you know, I grew up soccer and then I got into basketball. I was obsessed with basketball. I ate, breathed, and slept it. Uh, I played it all the time. Um, so I played at the parks. Um, and then when I got into middle school, my PE teachers kind of helped me out and I got to play some organized basketball. And then they introduced me to the coaches at the high school that I would be going to. And then I just went to try out and just talk to them. Uh, and I ended up getting on the team. Um, and then I would say my junior basketball, probably my sophomore coach, um, and then junior coach, I guess, sophomore, junior, he was in, influential in a sense that he really cared, um, about me. So our politics might not have been the same, but, um, he really cared. Uh, he would, you know, the simplest things of, I used to take the bus home from, you know, school he'd take me home when he could. Um, so I wouldn't have to take two buses or he'd take me out to eat lunch or, you know, he just showed that he really cared. and He was really, you know, passionate about me being a player. Um, and he'd always talk about basketball. That's all we ever did. Um, and 
I learned a lot. I, I learned how to play the game, but I also learned it from a coach's perspective, which I thought was really cool. Um, and then my senior year, when our season ended, he gave me the opportunity to help him coach the, um, the freshman and sophomore team because their league started after the junior and senior league. Um, and I thought, oh, wow, I can do that. Uh, so I think that I went from playing like soccer and softball um, and I, I wanted to play football. My mom was like, no, uh, <laughs> I just once I got the opportunity to coach it, too, I just even immersed more into it. Um, and so just by him caring and showing me that it's like, no, it's possible. And you were going to push it and we're going to see how far you can go. I mean, I definitely wasn't the fastest player, you know, uh, but I was, he, they always used to tell me I was the most dedicated. So, you know, I would be that player that would be there on a Saturday morning when we didn't have practice for four hours, running the track, running up the bleachers, practicing with my left and my right hand, doing drills over and over and over again. Um, so yeah, I definitely would say that that's probably how influential that coach was. Um, and then out of high school, I had to get a few, I got a job and I was going to community college and I actually went to play. They had a basketball class. I went, cool. I can get a few extra units. And the, the coach actually ended up seeing me and, and asked me to try out. But unfortunately I told him I couldn't because I had, I had to work. Um, but it felt good. <laughs> and then I just kind of played in some pickup leagues after that. And there was like this women's league that I played in for a while. We ended up winning like the champion. It was really fun, the championship. And, um, but I would definitely say my high school coach was pretty influential just because he showed that he cared a lot. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of all you, I mean, obviously if you have talent or if they're able to pull talent out of you, that's, that's great. But yeah, feeling like you matter and you're on the team and someone cares about you and how you're doing and your goals. Um, yeah, it's kind of invaluable, right? Uh, and you also yeah. talked about that's kind of where you sports was where you got praise mm -hmm. and that's, you know, how you got that positive reinforcement. I'm guessing that probably has a lot. Um, sorry, we're coughing over here. I'm sorry. I'll just cut that out. Okay. Um, so the positive reinforcement, I'm sure you use that a lot with your students. But um, anything else, I know that you're obviously not coaching them and teaching them is different, but, you know, I'm sure you, that's a special population that you work with. And I'm sure you're navigating a lot of different struggles there. Um, any tips that you use to help motivate the kids and, um, you know, have them really feel like they're succeeding and, and like that you care about them, like anything like that? Yeah. Um to be honest with you. So I actually ended up coaching before I became a teacher. I was an after school coach. And then I like coached some park league sports and um, I ended up doing SRLA, which is students run LA here uh, for two, you know, a year, year and a half. But again, being in college and school, I, I unfortunately could only do it for a year. I've been thinking about going back to it though, because you coach students for running. Um, you give them the opportunity to learn about it and the skill set and see if they like it or not in middle school and high school besides track and field and the organized sports. Um, anywho, the biggest thing I think and how I support my students now as a teacher and motivate them is honestly just validating them, validating them, being goofy, you know, what they say is, you know, important. I think especially for older kids like middle school and high school, you know, they're at a point where they feel like they're just misunderstood all the time. 
and you know nobody has the time of day for them. Um, that could be true. That could not be. You know, it just depends. Um, but a lot of the times, you know, their families are working all the time, um, and they don't really get that validation. You know, they're older and they think. I feel like the people around them think that they can sustain that on their own. You know, oh, they're independent. They can do it. They like to have fun with that. They'll just go play it. But just validating them. Um, I think is really important. So I try to find out like what they're into. <laughs> I feel very old when I try to figure out the older ones like middle school and high school kids. <laughs> but, you know, I try to figure out what they're into and then I kind of run off that. Um, and I try to figure out how, honestly, how they learn. So e whether it's a skill set academically as a teacher or it's a skill set for a sport, you know, um, I try to kind of figure out where they are and how they learn and go from there. And, you know, I constantly feel like I just think outside the box all the time, especially with my population now. Yes. But, you know, it's like, OK, if I need them to understand X, Y and Z, OK, where can I go to get this that'll connect to that? And then they'll get that. And then I can see if they've been able to succeed with it. So that's kind of how I go about it. Um, and I admit, I would say now not to be cocky, but like 90 percent of the time, I'm, I'm pretty on it um, <laughs> as a teacher. Um, but yeah, that's how I would connect to my students when I was coaching. And I feel like, you know, a lot of them got really close to me and some of them are, I mean, I did the students run away for one year with these middle school kids when they were in sixth grade. And one of them, um, I still am in contact with, and she's on the track and field team. She just got super into it. And honestly, she could kick my butt now, but you know, she's, <laughs> she loves it. And I get to see that and it makes me feel it's like ridiculously good to be able to see them accomplish what they love to do. And I could be like, I sprinkled that in just a little, got her in there just a little bit. I got her to stop eating hot Cheetos right before she'd have practice, you know? <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Validating um, and supporting them. Yeah, no, and that's, that's awesome because I think um, that applies so much to coaches. And like you're saying, obviously as a teacher, and then parents as well. Like, I think that's kind of a universal tip for when we're interacting with kids and we're trying to help boost them up and, you know, make them feel empowered. Like those are really simple ways to do that. Um, yeah. I am all about individualizing everything. I mean, every job I've ever had, it's like, you got to get to know the kids, individualize it all. I feel like sometimes because that's just so natural to me and I don't, I don't feel like I have to work at that. Um, it's hard to explain that to other people. If someone's just coming in as a coach and it's like, all right, now we have 20 kids you're trying to coach, but you really need to connect with each one of them, help them figure out their goals, help them figure out how they're going to learn. Cause not all of them, especially when they're younger can tell you like, this is how I need you to help motivate me. Do you have any, and it's kind of a hard question, but it sounds like you're also one of those people who you just kind of naturally get to know everybody and you have to individualize things, but do you have any tips for someone who as a coach or a parent or a teacher doesn't normally think that way to start like an easy way to, to get to know everybody and, and build rapport on that kind of level. Yeah. I mean, icebreakers, like you can do a lot of really cool icebreakers, um, you know, to get to know everybody, even a large group of people. Um, you know, I, I guess the biggest thing that I do is I sing and dance a lot. It's like, you know, sing and dance, like you're on a, on a stage all the time. And then you either get people that are going to do it with you or they're going to laugh and they're going to have a good time and they'll open up a little more. Um, you know, so I think I'm super energetic too, um, super positive, but I would say, I'm trying to think like, how would you do that? You know, cause some people do naturally have it, right. That's really difficult. Um, like I said, icebreakers, I would do some games with them. 
um, to find out their interests. So focus maybe if we're there for practice for a certain sport, you know, and okay, you know, I'm Coach Emily, I'm here, we're going to be learning the fundamentals of this. Um, I've been told or I've seen you guys signed up and you really want to do this. So let's try it out. You know, let me know how you guys are feeling after blah, 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 blah. I think you'd have to do it separate kind of with the parents. I mean, they're there and they're listening to how you're interacting with their children, but I still kind of think it has to be a little different just because their outlook on it's different. So your athletes are, you know, looking at this differently than the parents that are supporting them are. So um, I definitely would take them first, the athletes and kind of do like, you know, a silly fun icebreaker um, and tell them, okay, how do you feel now? Or, all right, guys, now we're going to do this and throw in some competitiveness too, you know, because eh, a lot of people love that. We all like to compete a little bit. It's fun. And you kind of get within like one or two practices, you can easily pick out like, okay, these are the ones that are really competitive. Okay. They've played before. All right. So-and-so really likes this. Okay. This one's a little shy. And then that's kind of how I would start like breaking it up in my head. And then I probably would group them, you know, like, okay, this one's really outgoing. This one's a little shy. Let's put them together. Okay. They're going to do this drill together. All right. Or, you know, take your strong set ones. Like usually you have three or four that are very knowledgeable in a sport. Right. And you can say, okay, I'm going to need you for, you're going to you know, separate and I'm going to need you to help me help them coach. And then they love that because they feel like they're an assistant coach. So then they feel validated. So it's kind of like, you just, you got to have fun at first with some icebreaker fun activities. Uh, and then you kind of can wean that out. And I feel like you could organize it. And then with the parents, I would do it like maybe a few practices in, um, you know, at the end, a lot of coaches like to talk to the parents while the kids are getting water or, you know, they're doing their thing, um, stretching hopefully stretching. Um, <laughs> um, and you could talk to the parents and say, Hey, I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Do you guys have any questions or concerns? This is kind of how I'm looking at it. This is what we're going to be working on and doing. I would love some involvement. You know, again, you want everyone to feel like they're involved in a sense. Um, so that's probably how I would do it. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love the idea of once you get to know them, then grouping them in a way so that they're now helping each other because then they feel that autonomy and I'm important and I'm helping someone. And, um, and also even with the parents, because I think sometimes, at least I know I can forget that like, they're a resource for coaches, they're a resource to help the kids. It's a good way to get to know, you know, a little more about the children that way too. Um, so no, I think that's so awesome. Um, unfortunately, I'm about to lose my son here. He is not going to hold no much longer. So, and I know that you're super busy too. Um, I really appreciate you talking to me. Sorry. He was, you know, like I said, I'm okay. about to lose him. Right. Um, okay. but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, this was super helpful. I think some great information. Again, I'm feeling even more inspired to go do some longer runs. Gotta do it. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, fun people. Don't don't do it on your own at the beginning. You might not. You'll go out there and go, what? No, no. Mm -mm. So you know, find a group like one or two people that you know that are crazy enough to do it with you. And try it out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great advice, and that's also you know a great way to as we're transitioning, hopefully out of the pandemic and everything is like getting a little more social. Find some people to go do some some long runs with. So no, that's great. Um, do you have any anything else real quick before we go? Anything, you know, I know you said that you're planning to do your hundred miler soon, but like any, anything else to, to add real quick? People with children, new parents that have been runners or been active or people that are just getting active that have had kids, just be gentle with yourself. It is step-by-step -step, day by day, because, you know, as much as we want to go back out there, it's going to 
your life has changed and it's not going to be like it used to. So just be really gentle with yourself and really care for you. Um, and you'll get back out there because if you're motivated enough and you love it, you know, you got it. That, that would be what right now where I'm at because she's two and a half months old. <laughs> so that, that's the advice I would give right now as an active runner parent. No, that is awesome. Thank you so, so much. And again, thank you for taking, because I know like 40 minutes when your baby is that young can be like, you know, I don't have as much time to give. So I really, I really, really appreciate it. So that wraps up my interview with Emily. Again, I want to thank her so much for taking the time to sit and talk to us about her running journey. Um, she had some great tips there at the end to leave us off with. Um, that was our third interview in our interview series where we are talking to runners, parents, coaches, therapists, dietitians, um, counselors, really anybody who has some great insight into what we can do to be better parents and coaches to support our young runners. So if you have any questions, comments, if you want to be interviewed, anything like that, um, feel free to email me at marikeerunclub at gmail.com. Thank you.